0: Hi everyone. Welcome to episode three of Sober Gratitudes. My name is Sarah and thank you so much for coming to listen. I'm so excited about my guest for this episode. Her name is Julie and she admits that when she first considered giving up alcohol, she thought life would be really boring. Julie shares how that is far from the truth. Her gratitude for her sobriety is palpable. She radiates sunshine in her Instagram posts with her glowing face and bright, authentic smile. She has posted about how her personal growth has been one of the best parts of sobriety. After I spoke with Julie, I had such a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart. It's amazing how that can happen without even meeting her face to face. She is such a gem. By now, I am sure you're eager to hear our conversation, so without further ado, Enjoy listening to Julie and her joy of self-discovery.
1: Hi, Julie. Hey. How are you today? I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for coming on my podcast. I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, I am too. You were so fun to talk to, and I can't wait to have my listeners hear all about you and your journey. It's It's a great journey you have.
1: Yes, I'm excited to share it. Good first podcast. Let's do it. Awesome, <laughs> and you've got a you've got a sober
0: anniversary coming up.
1: Yep, um, twelve twenty. So when is that? Not this week, but next week will be two years. Two years. Congratulations. Thank you. Two years. Yeah. But it feels like two lifetimes. <laughs> I'm sure know, you know right? what I'm talking about. Isn't that amazing how that happens? I think like because you live so much more life. And you're just like awake and alive. So what you experience in two years is just like so much more, you know, than when you were drinking. At least that's how it was for me.
0: Same. Likewise. And not only that, but I I think we literally have so much more time during the day because we're not nursing hangovers and we're not in a fog. So and then we sleep better. So we have just so much more time during the day to enjoy life. Yeah, for sure one of the gratitudes. Well, good. Okay. So let's um, have our listeners get to know you a little bit. Um, Tell us about your
1: life, a little bit about your life before you decided to finally get sober. Sure. Okay. So I'll kind of just start from the beginning because that's how it's going to make the most sense. Um, I started getting into actually drugs before alcohol at a really, really, well, to me, it's a young age. I know some people start like super young, but I was about 15 and um, I always had a hard time making friends or keeping friends. I never felt like I fit in. So when I discovered drugs, it felt great because <laughs> it actually felt like for once people liked me, people wanted to hang out with me. And obviously now looking back, I can see that was a complete lie Um People liked the drugs that I had, not the person I was, but it, it felt like people accepted me for once. So pretty much I got in that scene and I didn't look back. Um, I had some pretty crazy years. Um, you know, things that honestly, I was just talking to my husband about this yesterday as I was preparing for this podcast. I was telling him like every time i think of telling my story new things pop up and i remember new stories and you know it's, it's crazy like how we just experience this stuff and then forget about it and then it just kind of like bubbles up but anyways um i really didn't start drinking until i was in my 20s or so and i got to a point where I started going back to church because I grew up in church and then when I, you know, got into drugs and stuff, I left that scene, Um, but I started going back to church and I stopped doing drugs and I started drinking more (laughs) because drinking is the thing that's, like, more acceptable, you know, it's, like, more normal um, and easier to hide or so I thought, so, I really started drinking a lot more and I was living this double life. And yeah, I had stopped doing the drugs, which was great. And I had started spending my time around more positive people, which was great. But I wasn't addressing things that needed to be addressed. Like, why was I needing to numb myself all the time? And so that's when the drinking got pretty bad. Um, And, you know, I, I would really just say that I, I just, was social. I was extroverted and I just liked to, to party and have fun. But really, you know, 99% of the time I was, I was getting blackout drunk. I was waking up in places where I didn't know how I got there. I was waking up with cuts on my face, bruises on my legs and just, it, it was horrible, but I was so good at lying to myself. And I thought I was so good at lying and tricking other people around me. Um, now looking back, I'm like, they probably knew. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it is, I, you know, I under, I identify with what you're saying in terms of the blackouts and, and I had gray outs. I never had blackouts, but I can remember waking up the next morning and wondering, oh no, what, what happened? What did I do? Yeah. What did I say? And feeling the worst. This, this shame and this, uh, this nerve, like I was really, really nervous and scared. So
1: Yeah. For sure. And, um, I mean, I think we'll talk about this more later, but that's just been one of the best parts of sobriety is like not having to live in that shame and that guilt and that like, oh my gosh, what did I say? Who did I call? And that that was just the worst. Don't miss that at all. Yeah. Um, so. Kind of fast forward about a year or two of just really heavily heavily drinking and and living this double life, which is just so exhausting, like putting so much energy into trying to hide it and make myself look like I had myself put together. I don't know if you're an Enneagram fan, I'm an Enneagram three, which is very like I want people to think that I have it together, I want people to perceive me as you know like she's got it together. And I totally did not at all. Um, so fast forward a little bit, I had just gotten out of a bad relationship. And I was actually out with my brother at a bar. And I was swearing off men like, okay, I'm not gonna, I don't need men right now. And I knew I was at a point in my life where I wanted to make some changes. I wasn't ready to get sober. That wasn't going through my head yet. But I knew I wanted to stop you know being in and um degrading relationships and stuff like that so we're at this bar and this guy comes to sit at our table and ends up um chatting with my brother this guy would soon become my husband not i mean we waited a little bit but he would become my husband Aww. and um yeah so i met my met Dennis that night and we connected really quickly and he moved back to Texas. I was in Florida at the time and we began a long distance relationship. So that was really good for my addiction, good or bad, depending on how you want to look at it (laughs) Um, because it's really easy to like hide when you're in a long distance relationship. You're not, you're not with the person all the time. Um, But we decided we wanted to get married. So this was a huge shift in my in my journey because I now moved from my hometown to a completely new place, a big city. And I was marrying into a family where addiction was not present. They're very functional and and normal. And then there's me (laughs) (laughs) not. So it just got really, really hard to continue like hiding and, um, really just like little things started to happen. Like I would get my, my, somebody would find my cigarettes and I'm like, Oh gosh, I can't hide that anymore. Or I would have too much to drink in front of the wrong person. And I'd be like, Oh gosh, you know, that was so bad. And, and um really a big thing that happened was I was at a party and um a good friend called me out and she just basically said, Hey, I think you have a problem. I I can see the way you're drinking. And that at the time, it felt horrible and vulnerable and awful and disgusting. And I just felt so exposed. But I like to point that out because I know it can be so hard to call people out sometimes. Um, And we, a lot of times we just want to think like, oh, well, they're going to do what they're going to do and they're going to get there on their own. But if this woman wouldn't have called me out, like I don't know how much longer it would have taken me to choose to get sober. So it, it was really helpful, even though at the time it, it hurt like crazy to hear it. Um, but all of that was kind of a pivotal moment because I got called out. I was getting exposed. I had also started therapy because I knew I wanted to kind of dig down and figure out why I was doing these things. Um I also had started my essential oils business which was pushing me to live a more natural lifestyle. Um there was also a lot of personal development happening and basically it was just a point in my life where I I was ready or I knew I wanted to be ready. Um so I found a podcast called The Freedom of Sobriety and um this lady, Tamara, was talking about how, you know, you don't have to get sober. Um, but if you don't get sober, you have to live with the consequences. So hmm. that kind of really opened my eyes because I was asking myself those questions. Am I really an alcoholic or do I really have to quit? And um I went to a church service called a blue Christmas and it was on December 20th and it was the Wednesday before Christmas. And this service was specifically for people who were having a hard time in the Christmas season. They were having a hard time, um, feeling the joy of Christmas. And so I don't know why I went, it sounded boring to be honest. Um, it was like an hour away from where I lived, but something, just told me to go to this, this service. And I did. And that was the last night I drank. And I don't know what magical thing happened. Um, Basically, I just had so many things happening at once the therapy and my oils business and um, just working through things and being in a more positive place um surrounded by people who were you know filling me up with life and stuff and i decided that night this is the night i'm going to quit drinking and it wasn't the first time i had said that but it was the final time and you know it was really uh i didn't really believe myself at first i was like okay you're going to quit drinking you know but the next day i said it again and the next day i said it again And I feel like I had more tools in my toolbox this time, you know, it's so like, it's hard to try and get sober. If you're if you don't know what it's like to live sober, like you can't fix a broken, you can't fix a sick mind with a sick mind. And I think that having, you know, other people in my life that were that were believing in me and encouraging me and that had healthier minds like that was that was huge for me. So that was super long-winded, but I feel like I could just talk about it for hours, and that—that's the gist of how I got to day one.
0: That's amazing. I, you know, I just am blown away by the stories I hear of people who have these so- so-called seeds that are planted. I know for mm-hmm. me, that's what happened—like seeds planted, you know, for the days or the months or the maybe even the years or decades before you finally get sober, and you know, that I have to say, I'm blown away by that friend of yours that, that outed you, that totally called you out. That was pretty brave of that friend. And obviously she loved you a lot to, to say something, but then for you to receive it the way you did made it a perfect situation because it had you been a defensive, if you were really defensive, which I think a lot of us are, I know I'll speak for myself, you know, it's very defensive and active addiction. And if I had heard that from somebody, I think, I don't know. I don't know how I would respond, but it seems like you received it in a positive way and it worked to your advantage for when eventually, you know, you, um, you know, talk about those other seeds that were planted and then that final, that final resting place in, in the church for that, that beautiful service they offered. That's fantastic. I love it.
1: Yeah. That's
0: great. So do you still go to that church?
1: I don't. Um, we do go to church and um that was just we've we've moved since then. So go to a different church.
0: You are in the right place at the right time to go to that church. They that's (laughs) such a great Oh, I love it. I love it. It was
1: so funny. You actually um so most of the people who were there were there because they had lost somebody. They were grieving for the loss of their husband or wife or child or something. Um, I didn't know that though, before I went, I was just like, I'm having a hard time enjoying Christmas because I'm wasted all the time and I don't want to be so I'll go and it was just like not what I expected. But at the same time, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, you lit a candle and then you blew it out. And when you blew out the candle, you were supposed to be like, uh, letting go of whatever it is you're holding on to whether that's grief or, and for me, I blew out the candle and I was like, well, kind of cheesy but I'm blowing away my addiction and it worked not
0: cheesy at all that's so profound Julie and I have to say that what I'm thinking about as you share that is that you know you said it was a a service for people who lost somebody I think about when the end of my drinking days and I really had lost myself completely so in a way it's like you're you know, you were going to, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I'm like envisioning you going in there to let, you know, to kind of find yourself again. Cause you yeah. perhaps lost. I don't know. But I don't know if that's accurate, but
1: well, that, and also alcohol was my best friend in a way, you know, alcohol's there for you and it's a lie, but it, it also is there to, to numb and to make the pain go away, to make the anxiety go away so you are, you are getting rid of a friend in a way yeah, when you, when you stop true. drinking, you know, it's weird that way.
0: No, I understand because I, I consider my career in drinking, a, you know, a 25 year long love affair with alcohol one yeah. um, hundred and it worked until it, it didn't work anymore until it was beginning to kill me. So, so right. wow, that's, that's really amazing. And the therapy went to uh, to it sounds like you started to kind of look under the surface of sobriety you know of getting sober like looking down deep and it sounds like that's something that perhaps was a seed as well
1: yeah feel you. it to heal it
0: oh yeah I love that I love that
1: oh great well
0: so so I'm saying great because you got to sobriety and you're alive and here I am interviewing yet another person who has 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 experienced getting to a place where they can let go of control and, and give it over to whomever, um, and start living a life that is better. So, so tell us now, tell the listeners how your life is better. What has changed
1: for you since you got sober? Oh my gosh. We need like a whole podcast just on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good hour or two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so much. Um, just to skim the surface. I mean, I'm way more confident. Um, I'm able to be a better friend. I'm able to be a better wife. Uh, I'm able to pour into others more because when, when I was actively living an addiction, like, all I was thinking about was me and when am I going to be able to have a drink or when it, and if it wasn't exactly about when am I going to drink, it was something about me, you know, so inwardly focused. And so that's changed dramatically. Um, I've gotten to know myself, which is probably one of my favorite parts of sobriety because since I started drinking or doing drugs and drinking, so young. And my childhood was like, I don't remember hardly anything from my childhood. So I never really knew what I liked, or what made me me or you know, what my just, just what lit me up. So since becoming sober, I've been able to do a lot of self discovery. And it's been so fun to just it's like getting to know a friend in a way, but like, it's been myself. So super weird how that has worked but I I just love it so much um and I just am able to enjoy things like I never was able to um when I was in therapy I remember one thing I said when I was still um struggling really bad I said to my therapist I just want to be at my home and be cozy and content and happy and that's it like, I watch movies where people are on their couch at night watching a movie, and then they go to bed, and that's, like, normal. I couldn't comprehend that because there was always, but you get blackout drunk. Or you're so hungover that your head's spinning and you go to sleep early, but, you know, like, those were the two options. Um, and I do that now. Every single night, I wear my comfy PJs and I get my (laughs) my chunky blanket and I sit on my couch and I watch Seinfeld with my husband and I'm not I I'm not normally like any happier than at that moment and it's just it's such a small thing that I would never be able to enjoy it this much if I wouldn't have gone through what I went through you know so I am Mm -hmm. grateful I actually am grateful for for my addiction, because I'm able to see life and in, in this whole new way and just appreciate the tiniest things that feel huge now.
0: Oh, I love that. I love it. And then you get to sit with your chunky blanket and your husband go to bed and have no hangover the next morning or wonder yeah. what you said or did that. That's just such a, I know for a lot of people in early recovery, that's something that they find to be such a wonderful, wonderful thing to not have to worry about that but there's so much more i mean we experience i know i've talked to so many people because i love talking about recovery and sobriety and getting sober and what happens to our to our minds and to our bodies and our our spiritual condition when we have that transformation from addiction to recovery i could talk about it all day long so that's probably why i started this (laughs) podcast (laughs)
1: That makes sense. So that I
0: could just talk to people all day long about recovery. But so when I talk to people, we talk about that, the freedom that comes with sobriety. And I know, for, you know, people who don't have alcoholism, or, you know, or they're not, they haven't experienced any addiction of any kind. That's really hard to understand. And I get it. Because when I was drinking, I thought that if I stopped drinking, I'd have no more freedom. Like I thought Mm -hmm. that my life would be over. So that that's, I I was so afraid of, of, of not drinking because of what I thought I might lose. But then I discovered that I, I gained so much and then there was so much freedom. Like I said, that, that came from my, my recovery and my sobriety. So, so tell me about what you have experienced in terms of, you know, freedom in your life.
1: Yeah, I definitely thought the same thing. I thought it was going to be so boring. Like, what do people do on vacation? Or what do you do on the weekends? Or or filling in um, the blanks on like, okay, but, but we go to that New Year's party every year. So how would I be able to have fun sober there? Or we have this cookout every 4th of July. How would I be able to have fun sober there? And just like going over all of these things in my head. Um, Thinking it was just going to be awful and boring, but I have definitely experienced the same thing. There's so much freedom. Um, And it was just so unexpected. And I always tell people, like, just try it. Because Mm -hmm. whenever you're you're making up all these possible scenarios in your head, like, but it's going to be boring or but that's going to be scary. You're just you're you're not a fortune teller like you don't know what it's gonna be like just try it and see you can Mm -hmm. always go back Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. it's not like when you choose to get sober you have to stay sober but I want to stay sober because life is a trillion times better but you know just give it a try and see because the freedom is it was so unexpected um and I don't know if it was more unexpected or more so like I just didn't believe it could happen for me because you're so – the chains are so heavy. They are. And you – it's just so thick, this cloud that you can't see through. You can't see on the other end and literally the only way to get to the other side is to just try it. um, And I think but... too,
0: just to add, it's I think for me in my experience, getting sober was much more than just putting down the drink. I really had to – go through a process of self-discovery and mm-hmm. in my program of recovery and through therapy, extensive therapy. Mm-hmm. And, and however someone decides to, to go through that process. And if it works for them, that's great. You know, because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have that opportunity for self-discovery. Like you said, there's such joy in self-discovery. Mm-hmm. and self-discovery um, and, and, and it's such a relief to, to have those chains be, of addiction be taken off of us because they are heavy. They are very heavy. I remember just a, a quick reflection in early recovery. I think you mentioned about, Oh, what am I going to do at this party or whatever? When I, if I can't drink, I had that same question. And I remember, I, I don't know, some event that I had to go to in early recovery. And I I was like, how am I going to do this? So I had a plan of action and I had, you know, a cup with a seltzer in it and nobody even bothered. I realized nobody really cared to look right in my, in my, in my, um, you know, my, my bottle or whatever it was I was drinking.
1: Exactly. And,
0: and I told myself that I would focus on, I tried to, because I'm like, I can't, I don't want to look at the alcohol if I smell it. Oh my gosh. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go to this, um, party. And I'm going to think about, I'm going to look around and I'm going to look at, find three people. And I just gave myself that number. Maybe it was two in the beginning, or maybe just one. I'm going to look at, for that one person that I've always been fond of, or I don't know that well. And I'm going to ask them four questions or however many questions I think is necessary to feel like that. I truly know them better than I did before I got to the party. Mm. so after the party was over and I went home I would tell my husband guess what I learned that so-and-so does needlepoint or you know like and you know and and I could just or I didn't necessarily tell him all the time but just for just for myself that I was like wow I wasn't so focused on my drinking yeah I, I was focused on other people and getting to know other people And then the more I did that, the more I realized how selfish I had been in my days of addiction and drinking at parties. And I didn't care about, I just cared about getting drunk. Yeah. So my life became much more open and broader. And I had people who were like, wow, like. Wow, Sarah's so nice. She was so (laughs) friendly with me tonight. That's very strange, (laughs) you know. And I don't know, so I just had to share that because what you when you were saying about going to parties, like being like, "Oh, that's not freedom going to parties without drinking," you know, that made me it reminded me of that experience of mine. Yeah,
1: I definitely felt feel the same way. Like I, I was so selfish, and it was just thinking about how can I manage to stay here the longest and get the drunkest without letting people know that i have a problem <laughs> and oh, talk about being exhausted yeah. that's like it's such a it burden such a burden yeah and just so much lost energy going into managing something that's that's just making me feel dead inside so
0: oh yeah and now you're alive that's so great alive in your sobriety so um, Julie, tell me what, what, what keeps you sober?
1: Um, okay. So talking about my sobriety definitely helps keep me sober because um, I don't know when you view sobriety, like, like we're talking about, why wouldn't I want to stay sober? You know, like it's, there's, we're talking about the joys and the freedoms and all of that. Um, So the more I talk about it, and share about it, I I share a lot on my Instagram platform. And um, part of my essential oils business is sharing my life so that I can connect with more people. And so a huge part of that is sharing my sobriety story, which I guess is how you found me like a hashtag or something. (laughs) Probably. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think I stumbled upon your Instagram account because it was so pretty. It's yeah. just I felt so like calm and relaxed when I looked <laughs> at it. It's just really lovely, and what to t- tell the listeners the name of your Instagram account just so we can let them know to g- go know where to go to feel relaxed and calm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Too bad you can't smell the essential oils yes. as you look at it. <laughs> um, so it is Julie with two underscores, Ann A N N. With two underscores and then Davidson, D A V I D S O N. Maybe we can put it in the show notes.
0: Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely.
1: Because it's kind of confusing. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know.
0: Yeah, yeah, show notes for sure. Yeah, and that, and I did. It's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful account. And and you talk about your gratitude and sobriety, and you share what you're doing in your life, um, and the oils, the essential oils, and that that clearly is the passion that you. Um, you know, you, it sounds like you started before you got sober, but then it really launched into something bigger after you got sober. Is yeah. And,
1: I mean, I would never have in a million years guessed that my full-time job would be essential oils, but what's been so cool that it's kept me going is it's given me a platform to share my story. So they kind of both just feed each other like mm-hmm. the actual business part pays my bills, but having the opportunity to have a business where I share my life. It gives me a platform to share my sobriety story. So it's really awesome how, you know, it, it's come out that way. I wouldn't have guessed that <laughs> that would have happened. It's happened really organically. And, and I don't think it's an accident, because, um, you know, one, yeah, just the more that I share my story, and the more messages that I get from people that say, um, Oh, I'm struggling too. Thank you so much for saying that. Like that keeps me sober. That keeps me going. Um, Realistic or not realistic. Um, What's the word I'm trying to think of? I don't know. I'm bad with words. So I'm just going to not try and guess. Okay. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> um, but one, one thing that I always love to talk about is to stay sober. Do things that you love. Like find what makes you feel alive. Find what lights you up. And, you know, the way that I talk about my, my soft PJ pants and my chunky blanket is like, it's the smallest thing, but it brings so much joy to my heart. Mm -hmm. And so I pour myself into that. You better believe when I see a blanket that is so soft and it makes me smile, like I'm going to drop 50 bucks on that blanket because that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we're in recovery, we need to be not necessarily Blowing money that's not my point, but you know indulging in the small things in life that bring a smile to your face that aren't alcohol mm-hmm. um I always say that the two of the biggest things that helped me get sober were uh homestyle strawberry ice cream, and the Gilmore girls because that just <laughs> it made me feel happy and content, so I just I kept my laser focus on on these things, like just do these things, because it's going to get me through one more day, it's going to get me through one more day. And now that you know, the cravings are gone, the temptations are gone. I still indulge in those things, because it makes me happy. And it. I, I think that that helps keep me sober. And
0: it sounds like that with your business too, that keeps you connected with people.
1: Yeah, totally. on a daily
0: basis. And And therapy, whether or not you're doing it now or or not anymore, or sporadically, um, or a, um, a faith community or, or any kind of self help group or any kind of program of recovery that keeps us connected with people who are, you know, who are striving to, you know, to improve themselves and to really dig down deep and access that authentic part of ourselves that will put out more positive energy into the world, not the toxic energy that goes out when we're drinking. Yeah, for and, sure. Yeah, the connection and community, whatever it might be that that's really so important because I hear all the time how, oh, I, I, I feel so lonely. I was alone. And that's why I, I kept drinking and I couldn't stay stopped. And, you know, it's like, it's so important. I know for me that this alcohol, like, I, I need to stay connected. Oh yeah.
1: That's, that's a enormous part for me as well. And anybody who reaches out and says, I want to get sober, excuse me, but I just can't. And I always ask, are you trying to do it alone? Because um, I did go to celebrate recovery um, a few times and I didn't stop going because I don't, I don't believe in the program. I think that it's great. It just wasn't my personal journey. And I think that because I had so much community elsewhere, and I had a, a, a big sober community on Instagram. And I made some local sober friends. Um, side note, if you're looking for sober friends local to you, download the app Bumble BFF. So Bumble's like a dating app, but they have Bumble BFF, which is just to find friends. And you can put in your profile that you don't drink. And then people will only like match to you if they also don't drink. So that's a good way to find a sober friend. Oh my gosh, I love I,
0: that. I'm so glad you shared that. And I'm going to put that in my notes as well and plug yeah. that
1: Bumble. <laughs> I found some sober friends that way. And it's it's kind of weird because you're like dating in a way, friend dating, and yeah. it can be awkward, but whatever. Sometimes you just have to do what you got to do to find some other sober friends because um, the community part, uh, that's, you know, that I was going to say oh. that Part of what keeps me sober is just being in community. Because when we stop doing something, when we when we quit a bad habit, when I stopped drinking, I knew I had to replace it with something else, or else there's just gonna be an empty void there. So for me, it was my essential oils business. I was doing something with my hands, um, you know, making things, and I was connecting with other people. Um, I Also, I was pouring into a church community and my Instagram community, and if you're not like replacing that, you know, with something else, and also including other humans, you know, like looking into other people's eyeballs, not just online but also in person. I, um, I, I just I, think that's huge.
0: And I, I love what you just said. That it's it's beautiful. And I just want to add a disclaimer here, um, based on you know this this part of the conversation that. You know, there's some people who can't find, you know, just know to go to Bumble or, you know, go out there and advocate for themselves and, and all that. There's some people who truly just don't know how to do that. Yeah. And that's when it's time to really, you know, reach out for help. And there are so many, so many programs out there that you can, you know, that you can go to and say, I need help. I don't know how to do this. Um, and, and fortunately, you know, you can go online and find, you know, programs nearby, you know, yeah. a therapist nearby, a therapist yeah. that, that you can find that the focus is on addiction and alcoholism or your church priest. That's the first person I went to before yeah. I found a programs. So I went to my priest um, and, and I told her, I said, I, I think I have a problem. And that just reaching out for help. I don't know. Just, it, it, I, I, it was, it was hard for me because I felt very ashamed and embarrassed almost, but something just drew me to her and, yeah. um, and, and being able to, to reach out for help. Elton John, I think says that, um, before and, or during his concerts that, you know, if, cause he's, he's in recovery and he been yeah. for quite some time and, and he uses a program that works for him and he, he advocates, he said, re- look out for, ask for help, you know, don't you know, stay quiet. If you have a problem, there are so many people out there that want to help you. Yeah. So I just and have to stop that disclaimer.
1: Yeah. And there's so many other people out there just like us. You know, for me, I thought I was like, it just felt so like weird and gross and ashamed and vulnerable, and and I, that's what held me back for so long from for asking for help. Um, because when I did go into that Celebrate Recovery program, that was the first time. I really ever exposed my, that I had a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, even with my therapist, I, I was so, um, I talk about every other problem I had besides alcohol addiction, because I just, <laughs> I didn't want to give it up. I, you know, it, it was just, it was part of me. Um, but yeah, when I went into Celebrate Recovery, I was so nervous. I was so scared. Um, I, I covered myself in oils because I hoped (laughs) to keep me calm. I probably smelled like a walking diffuser, (laughs) Uh, but I did it anyways because my therapist encouraged me to. And I just knew, I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I had tried a hundred times to do it on my own and miserably failed every single time. So like if you're trying to get results and, but you're not going to tweak, that you're the way you're doing it, then like you're just gonna go crazy, so and when I say you, I'm talking about me, by the way, um, <laughs> yes, but, no, I understand yeah, and so I went in to celebrate recovery, and I felt so scared and so ashamed for like five minutes, but then it went away because the people were just normal people, just like me, and they were making jokes, and they were like, "Oh. What's your issue, you know, but in a loving, joking way, just normalizing it. And like, that was the day I realized, okay, I guess I'm not that weird. You know, there's so many other people like us and, and that helps the scary part go away. I think when when you hear that, I love
0: it. Well, this is great. I'm so glad you have such a positive energy. I can feel it through the phone and I feel it through your Instagram account, and I'm going to look into your oils. Awesome, <laughs>
1: yeah. they're on they're on their way to you right now. I sent a box oh, yesterday. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's such a gift. Oh, I'm grateful. Um, and you know, I I really appreciate
0: you being a part of this community that I'm building of people aside from myself who are are actively enjoying being sober because I I really. Want people to understand that it's not such a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all to stop drinking, uh, whatever wherever you fall in the spectrum of of drinking. You know that I know there's that sober curious movement. You know the people mm-hmm. who you know who who say they, oh I don't have a problem. It's just you know it's be, I'm you know victim. You know I'm like a slave to this whole societal you know mommy culture or whatever. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. not need to <laughs> judge by any means, but you know that. It it is something that I think people are talking about more, and I love right. it talking about it openly and honestly. And and I I love being a part of that movement of awareness and acceptance and bringing forth that that conversation of we we don't have shame. We should not feel shame for doing right. what we're doing to better ourselves. Right. right. Because we're making ourselves a better person and putting such positive, you know, vibes into the air. And then, and then our, and, and our, and we're feeling better about ourselves as well. So I, I'm really grateful that you agreed to be on my pod and they wanted to be on my podcast because uh, what your story just, just has such great positive vibes to it. And I'm really excited. So how do you, when you look at your future, I know. It's not really great to project, but like when you look at your future now that you're sober, like how, like, how, like, I don't know if you have any thoughts on your own, your, your outlook on life now, I guess, and your future based on what you've experienced these past almost two years of not picking up.
1: Well, since I got sober, I, I now like truly believe I can do anything I want.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love it.
1: If you can get sober, it's, it's such a huge to feel like that like the chains are so heavy and you'll never get out, and then to experience the other side, it's like I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I've got a blank slate um there's that but, freedom <laughs> yeah, the freedom, so much freedom. um, I definitely foresee myself continuing to just shout from the rooftops how amazing sobriety is and continue encouraging people um, as much as I can. Right now, that looks like an Instagram platform and mm-hmm. just any any connections. You know, it was amazing that you reached out to me. Um, so just any way that, any door that opens that has to do with me sharing my story, like, I'm in. You know, I, I didn't think twice when you asked me To be on your podcast because I'm like, any way that I can share my story to to reach. I mean, a podcast was one of the first seeds that was planted in me to help Mm -hmm. me believe that I could get sober. So if I can do that for just one person, then my life is complete. You know, like I sometimes I feel like nobody's listening or is anybody even reading this stuff? And right when I start to feel discouraged, I'll get a message from someone who I, I i knew but haven't talked to in years and would have no idea that they were struggling mm-hmm. because you never know who's struggling it's it's so easy or it it can be at least easy to hide um but when i get a message from somebody that's like thank you for sharing that i'm struggling too that gives me energy to just keep going so whatever that looks like, I'm not sure. I mean, my, Mm -hmm. my oils business gives me the opportunity to work from anywhere. So that could look like maybe, I don't know, whoever, whoever calls me and asks me to share my story. I'm just going to say yes.
0: (laughs) And the, and you just sound so excited about your future and that, and I know that when I was stuck in addiction, I really didn't look into my future with, with any kind of happiness. Totally. It was very difficult for me. And how cool is it that you had that seed of listening to that amazing podcast and I'm sorry. She, you said that she's not, she's no longer doing the podcast.
1: No, she's not. Oh,
0: I need to find her. And, and then to close the loop here now you're on a podcast celebrating recovery. That's so fantastic. We have to find her so she can listen to this and hear how well you're doing.
1: (laughs) I will. I will. I'm friends with her on Facebook, so I'm going to let her know. (laughs) Oh, great. Great.
0: Oh, well, Julie, this has been fantastic. I, I'm so grateful that you took the time today to share your story and all the hope and recovery. It's, it, you've, you're helping so many people um, by sharing your, your uh, story today. So thank you so much, Julie.
1: You are welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay. You have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.
0: Well, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you to my guest and all of you for listening. I hope what you heard inspires you to look for and recognize the gifts of sobriety. Sober Gratitudes, a podcast dedicated to delivering messages of hope through true stories of recovery. A sober life is possible if you truly want it.